Hello and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Okay, it's too early on a Sunday morning, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, you keep uh, you keep plugging away with that coffee, and hopefully, you'll stay <laughs> awake uh, for long enough to get through this. Um, we have a lot to talk about uh, today. We are mainly going to focus on the three upcoming games: the friendly against the USA, and the final two Nations League games against uh, Finland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, we've got um, a great interview with a friend of mine called Chris Reed, who is very knowledgeable about the U.S. men's national team and American football um, football football not football um, in general uh, so we will be playing that for you in a moment um, we're going to start talking about the squad though Ruth um, any any kind of big surprises or anything kind of jump out at you when you first saw the squad are we, we going to mention Deutsch or are we just going to glide past that <laughs> I've got to the point, you know, I can't be asked anymore. I've, I, now every time I uh, that the, the squad gets announced at the moment, I say we get about ten or so questions on Twitter every time about Doidge. So I just can't be bothered anymore. I think the only thing we can say is Giggs just doesn't fancy him or the Scottish League. Um, and then if you have any further interest in our opinions on the Christian Doidge situation, please go and listen to any one of our last... 10 probably podcasts. I think I was, I mean, I think the goalkeeping situation, it is what it is. I'm very, very pleased to see um, Owen Von called up. Um, It just makes my heart happy. Um, I'm with you there. I'm surprised probably that they didn't call up George Ratcliffe, who's been playing for the under 21s, um, the Cardiff keeper had a really good season on loan with Barry Town last year. So pe- so people may have seen him in uh, playing for them, even if they haven't seen him playing for Cardiff. Uh, and I think that, that I think was an opportunity missed to just to, to integrate a young, a young keeper into the group. Uh, the rest, the rest of the squad, I mean, it's kind of, it's what it is, isn't it? I mean, it's what, what is it now? It's 27, 28 of them. Um, I'm sure you've got an opinion about Tom Lawrence being back on the list. <laughs> Again, I feel like we just we are just regurgitating. This is actually a new <laughs> podcast, by the way. It's not just it's not old ones that we've cut together uh, <laughs> to make this. Yeah, I mean, I think before I like I say have a tantrum, I, I do want to talk about Owen Vaughan. I, I, I think it's fantastic that he's been called up. He was absolutely delighted. The message he put on Twitter was great. Um, obviously very excited. He said how proud his family were and everything else. So yeah, just delighted to see him back. I think he's a great, great guy. I think he's a he's a very good goalkeeper. He's one of our only goalkeepers playing regularly. And I guess that, you know, does go into, I, I, I take your point uh, about the lad who was on loan at Barry last year. I guess it would just be a bit tokenistic. I think realistically, our three first choice keepers are Ward, Davis and, and Hennessy. And if there is a replacement um, needed, uh, you know, for the Euros or whatever going forward, it looks like um, Owen Vaughan might be on that list, even Tom King. So I, I guess it would be kind of tokenistic at this stage to call up the other keeper, although I guess it would have been good experience and, and shows that there's value in, in players going to the to the League of Wales from gigs. But um, so, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. That As for Tom Lawrence... Again, you know, for the sake of sounding like a broken record, I think what he did was not, you know, not acceptable. Uh, and for me, I wouldn't have him in the squad. I, I, I did say this last time. I, I do question the value of it just purely from a football perspective. He's, I don't think he's any better than 
Brooks, James, Wilson, obviously Bale. Um, he's probably better than Matondo, but I mean, is he going to the Euros? I mean, barring a selection of injuries in pretty specific areas, probably not. Um, the only thing I did think is that I th- maybe he's going to be like a Hal replacement in, in this window, perhaps. Um, uh, you know, someone else who is capable, he's not a striker, but is capable of playing in that central upfront role. Um, he is a decent finisher, so I, I do wonder if that was the logic there. But for me, as I've, as I've said uh, before, it goes beyond football. This I, I don't think he should be there for because of what's happened in the past. And it would take a lot for me to, to change my mind on that. Yeah, it, it seems a strange one when we're clearly choosing not to take real strikers yeah. to then take to then take him perhaps in that role. It, it, it's it, like you say, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, no, I agree, and I'm I, you know we'll talk about the strikers in a, in a sec. You know, I do I, as I, say, I don't want to overdo it because I do feel like this is uh, getting repetitive, I guess. But um, speaking of a Lawrence, I am glad to see James Lawrence back myself. I've got to be honest. Um, he may not be a, a world beater, but I think he is steady. I think he's predictable. I think he's fairly dependable. I think he's good in the air. And I think, you know, we, we talked last time that we only had three actual centre-halves. And I think it's really important that we kind of make sure we continue the depth that we have there. And I think it's good for him to be A, in the squad, but also have a chance to to stake his claim moving forward. I mean, we're recording this on on, the, on Sunday night and there's a chance that Lockyer may not make the squad or, you know, the final selection for the squad due to injury. So again, having him around, I think, is is important. And I, and I, I don't know about you, but I think he is quite a good player. I, th- I think he's served us very well. Uh, like you say, he's, he's a steady away player at the back there. And um, you're telling me Ben Cabango is pulled out as well so you know there's a potential of ending up quite thin there when we when we look quite padded um in the initial in the initial squad so it's good to see him back and um he's obviously settled back at St Pauli and that's that's working well for him yeah I think as a backup um you know centre half I think he's a good player and you know I, I don't think if we're being honest that he's threatening the the Euro squad maybe but he's he's giving giving himself a chance um, by the way he's been playing recently, so yeah, I'm, I personally am glad to see him back. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we're we're ultimately probably perming two from Rodham, Mepham, and Lockyer as our starting pair, yeah. and then there's then there's a fourth place available, and then and you know he might he's he's on the table under consideration for that fourth place. Yeah, hundred percent, and I think you know ultimately that is probably Cabango's to lose, um, mm-hmm. but I think. Moving forward, I think he is, you know, a, a contender for that role at least, as you say. Um, before we get on to the strikers, um, I did have a slight tantrum that uh, Robbie Burton uh, wasn't in the squad, but I'm told that that is for COVID reasons again, um, COVID restrictions uh, for, um, in terms of him travelling from Croatia. Um, Woodburn wasn't in the squad. I'm not entirely sure of the reasons on that, but I know that is related to COVID protocol as well. So. Um, that those are there's that explained. Um, looking at the strikers, and again, you know, for the for the sake of labouring the point, I am really concerned about this. Um, I mean, looking at the squad, we have one person who is an actual striker. Um, I know Tyler Roberts can play there, Bale can play there, Tom Lawrence can play there, but in terms of someone who's an actual centre forward, it is only Kiefer Moore. And I know Hal's injured and he's going to come back in. 
but I do I do really question the wisdom of that and I ultimately and it's not beyond the realms of possibility if Kiefer Moore gets a bad injury what what next there's no Vokes in the squad again Doidge and again I don't think Hedges is the right is the is the answer to anyone's question but you know you'd have to wonder we are, I mean we, we are literally all eggs in that particular basket aren't we yeah, I mean, that, that's the concern. And, and we saw it play out in Bulgaria. And ironically, it might have might have been the shot in the arm that we needed to to develop a plan B. Um, but it just it just doesn't make sense to be so precarious in, in that position, to, to my thinking. Um, if you. I mean, he's becoming the 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 absolute key player for us, ironically, isn't he? Which oh, yeah. we, you just shouldn't be in that, we just shouldn't be in that position. We shouldn't have a situation where we don't have a ready backup. And you don't know when you might need it. I, I, what I find strange is why aren't you trying to find his backup in these games in this period, yeah. ready, for ne- ready for next summer? Uh, it, it's I, I, I am concerned about us having two... Two such distinct plans. There's like the key for more track A, and there's without key for more track B. And why isn't there, you know, like that sort of middle ground of a okay, Kiefer's suspended for a game, let's say. We don't want to change our whole style of play. Who are we subbing him subbing for him? And I I just don't feel we've done we've even attempted to answer that question. Yeah, I, I you know, again, I, I'm in full agreement. I, I think the the big one for me is is that he loves picking up yellow cards. Um, he is possibly even too physical for the way the international game is at the moment. It, you know, just as a as a as a permutation, looking at the Euros, there is every chance that he might miss. You know, a third the third game of the group, for example, because he might have picked up two yellow cards in the first two games. Like that is a perfectly reasonable solution. The the answer to that question surely shouldn't be we go to a whole new system, a whole new way of playing and everything else because one guy's got uh, a suspension or injury, whatever. I, it does make me wonder if the plan B is becoming playing with a false nine um, in the in the way that Johnny did that and obviously he, he rates Tyler Roberts and that would make sense as to why Tom Lawrence has been included. But I mean, I, personally, I don't see that as a as a viable way forward. But that's a story for another day, I guess. Um, I I just am, I'm I'm staggered, mainly because, and I mean no disrespect to Kiefer Moore in this way. Not that he listens, I'm sure, but he is he's not a messy type player. He is not an irreplaceable, uh, you know, player full of guile and skill. And you know, let's let's call a spade a spade here. He's a target man. He's good at winning the ball in the air, and he's good at winning flick-ons and, and kind of bringing the ball into play. And yeah, right, he is a good finisher in the air, but he's not. We're not trying to replace Pele. We're trying to we, we, we replace, you know, the Welsh Andy Carroll, if you like. I'm being a bit harsh in there, obviously, for comedic purposes. Before anyone sends me an arsy tweet, but um, he, I mean, I I don't think, for example putting Vokes up there even is that outrageous a suggestion just as a plan B as someone to keep winning the ball if that's the way we our, our whole play is based I, I, I don't know yeah that's that's my concern is is the the level of changes that seem to be our plan if we are key for Morless 
and I just I just don't see the point in having such a dichotomy of of how you would tackle the games based on one player. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, dichotomy could come and do a very good job for us. To be fair, I feel like that's the, at least the third time it, I've made that. We, joke. Yeah, we've got to we've got to, we've got to slide him into a squad somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, looking at people who've missed out, um, other than the obvious, um, I mentioned Vokes there. Obviously, James Chester is another one who's playing regularly, and from from what I see, playing well for Stoke as well. Um, do we think that you know, to all intents and purposes, now? they are done for Wales. Chester, I find an interesting one because, you know, going back to what we were saying about James Lawrence, I mean, Chester is a better player than James Lawrence. And if he's playing well for Stoke and you're looking at that, you know, fourth slash fifth centre-back role, I don't understand why he's not in consideration. But I, I do think Giggs has just has just moved on, and the the same with Vokes. I think he's just moved on. Um, I think it may end up being a bit short sighted. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing is is that he is looking toward youth, and I know James Chester is not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he has got bad knee injury. He or has has had sorry and is recovering, you know, recovered from. But I wonder if that's part of it. I wonder if you know there could be something where he he sees that there's a selection of kind of key players in that squad be it you know Chester's and and Vokes's and whoever where he wants that old guard out a bit I mean you can't do it to Bale or Ramsey because they're so good but you know you you lose James Chester just you know from a clinical perspective you have got other people who can do the same job that he can do and you know arguably he doesn't he doesn't want him around the squad you know maybe that is part of it i mean i i'm i'm clutching at straws because i mean i feel like we have to do that every time we uh, we kind of delve into in, into these situations but um that's just one one possible solution but i don't know how ridiculous that is no i mean gigs has kind of set his stall on bringing in the youth and you know for him that might feel like a backward step and if he feels he's on a trajectory towards injecting youth and new players and, and moving us on, then I can, under, I can understand how that would feel like a step in the wrong direction for him. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I, I don't agree with it, but I, I can see how that's how he's rationalised it. Yeah, I mean, that's the only solution. I, I will say, and maybe it will happen further down the line, but I do think it's a shame that Ash, potentially Chester, potentially Vokes, um, uh, kind of being jettisoned from the squad um, without kind of, I don't want to say explanation, but some sort of comment because they have been part of our, a big, big part, in fact, of the bit, the most successful uh, period in our footballing history. So I, I do think that's a shame. But again, maybe that is something that may happen further down the line. Um we are talking about Ryan Giggs at the moment. I guess we kind of have to say something um, about the whole situation. And, you know, we are desperate not to get ourselves uh, sued. But um, it's a very grave situation as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm I'm told from, from sources inside the FAW that the, the decision for him to step down wasn't just an FAW decision, it was a mutual decision and Giggs recognised the, the negative attention that this would bring on the squad and everything that's happened. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, it's, it's, it's alleged that uh, Ryan Giggs has um, 
injured his his girlfriend although there's a lot of um what's the word confusion i guess um in terms of the ha- what could or could not have happened um it does put us in a in a very difficult situation and i don't want to focus on the the ins and outs if you like of of what could have happened too much because i'm as again i you know i'm sure we'll get ourselves in trouble somehow but um it is it is a, a, a something that needs to be mentioned i think it's a very worrying time for us as a as a nation but you know i i do think it's you know the the potential fallout from this could be could be really bad yeah i mean i think obviously the alleged allegations and and what may or may not have happened that that's got to be sorted out in a court of law um and i think it's important that it isn't sorted out in the court of gossip um but, you know, aside from what may or may not have happened, you have a situation where the manager of the national team is under investigation for a very, potentially a very serious, a very serious allegation. So it does put the FAW, I think, in an incredibly difficult situation because inevitably you want to do the right thing by your employee you you want to support them through through a difficult time for them personally you want to make sure that they get a fair hearing you want you you want to um ensure that this is decided in in a court situation and, and not in the tabloid press but equally you can't have the ferrari that would result from having Ryan Giggs doing a press conference or, you know, Ryan Giggs being more directly involved in the squad. I'm sure what's happening at the minute is he is still pulling all the strings in the background. There's just no public face to it, Um, which is one of the reasons why in the short term, I'm not particularly worried about what's going to happen in this window, because I think it will it will just be managed, um, managed as it would have been. He's just physically not there. I think the difficulty for the FAW is the, is the time scale of how long do they stand behind their man while they give him the right to sort this out in a, in a court of law um, without actually jeopardizing all the planning and the organizing and the, the steerage and the, the training and the, the coaching and the, you know all that more normal stuff that needs to happen coming up to a tournament in the summer i mean i've I've no idea how long these these sorts of cases and and then when we're assuming it's going to go to court i mean it might be that it that it doesn't and i know you were sharing some statistics about how rarely these things are actually prosecuted and in some respects that's almost a worse situation for the faw because it's there isn't an answer at that at that stage um so i i just think I actually feel for the FAW at the minute. I think this is an incredibly difficult situation to navigate. Yeah, I would agree with you entirely. Um, and I don't think anyone is going to, you know, kind of look at this lightly. Our job, if you like, is to, to look at this from a football perspective. Um, and there's the only thing that I would worry about is how this would be resolved in a court of law. Um Again, if it came to that, because obviously we have to keep uh, stressing that it is um, alleged incidents, um, and and how that 
you know how the the FAW deal with that moving forward. Um, I think that that would make it very very difficult. Um, with that said, I think my big concern from a football perspective is we've got World Cup qualifiers starting in March, end of March, and we're looking at this case regardless of the ins and outs, so to speak, to be potentially kind of resolved in about four months. And, I mean, again, I'm no legal expert, but I'm going to guess that with COVID and everything else that's going on at the minute, this is not going to be a quick turnaround. So we may well enter into the end of March where we don't know if he's capable of taking on the role. I don't know what gigs will be doing between now and then is he suspended from duty is he just suspended from uh, you're not suspended but is he just not at these games and he will continue doing his doing his job behind the scenes there's a lot of unanswered questions and again i don't think anyone needs to come out and kind of clarify them right now and i'm, and I'm perfectly happy with the way the faw have do, uh, uh, do uh, uh, are dealing with things but i do think there needs to be some kind of outlook uh, into the future, if that's possible, because you know I, I said this a couple of a couple of pods ago that Stoivenberg is is the Arsenal assistant manager. In my opinion, his his priorities are there. Um, Page is someone who we've talked about before, who wasn't doing a particularly great job with the under twenty ones, a decent job, but not a particularly great one. Um, whether you know it was time for a change with him in charge and giving him another role, and and here we are where. <laughs> these two guys uh, are now leading the team in in and yeah, let's be honest you know gigs may well be in the background and pulling the strings and making calls and whatever else but these are the two guys who are on the touchline and we the, the, the two nations league games are very very important especially with the world cup uh, in mind so and then of course as the euros kind of further ahead again it's a it's a very 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 difficult situation and again i don't envy the faw but um i i do think in my humble opinion this needs to be resolved from a footballing perspective as soon as it possibly can. And I appreciate that it's secondary to what could have happened um, in terms of importance, but I do think it is still important that it does get resolved effectively. Um, to I think that's that's something just to emphasise, Dave, is, you know, there's there's human beings involved in this and, and someone, Kate Greville, may have been assaulted and we can't lose sight of the seriousness of that as an allegation, just in, in our our desire to navigate the footballing side of, of things. Yeah, I, again, I agree. It's just so difficult to say and uh, say the right thing, I guess, but also kind of collate your thoughts into, into, into the right way to say them because mm -hmm. of... The, the, there are literally so many ifs, buts, and maybes in this circumstance. So it is, it is, it is very, very difficult. And I agree with you. Um, to go back to the football, um, just before we listen to uh, the interview with Chris, um, I was delighted to see uh, Josh Sheehan in the in the Wales squad. I I hope he gets some game time. I think it would be valuable for him. Um, if he's going to get called up to have that game time, especially if someone like Morel um, does end up pulling out, he's he's uh, Sheehan's been in very good form for for a long time. To be fair, um, so I I would really really like to see him given his chance. I would agree. Um, it it does feel like it's another example of Giggs being in love with midfielders and, and ignoring strikers. Yeah. Um, but 
I, I think he's earned his chance. I would agree with you there. And, and just overall, the start that Newport have, have had, uh, I think it's nice to see that reflected in the in the national squad as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think his um, performances, as, 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 as we both said there, I think are, uh, you know, worth writing home about. You know, Newport won again on the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, they're top of the league. Um, my only question would be if the reason he doesn't fancy Doidge is because of the standard, uh, the Scottish Premiership. Does uh, It does question why he's bringing in a League Two player. But again, I, f- I feel like we're just going round in circles here. This is a new pod. We are... Um, this is this is not. I, just, I, uh, I not think we just have before. to tell that it's something we don't understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of life's great mysteries. Um, <laughs> on that note, I will uh, include here our interview with the very knowledgeable Chris Reed. So, I would like to welcome to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast a very special guest, um, the founder of one of the greatest seven-a-side football teams probably in the world, uh, Mr. Chris Reed. How are you, Chris? Doing very well. How are you doing, Dave? It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, We are going to be talking with Chris, obviously, about the the USA game and everything that's going to go around it. Chris has obviously been following uh, the US men's national team for a while, so as a perfect person to uh, to give us some great insight. Um, Chris, what are some of your favourite experiences following the, the US team? Oh boy. Well, um, I think it all started in uh, true inspiration, started in the 94 World Cup. Uh, it's a nine-year-old uh, young man. And um, you still yeah, from there, <laughs> uh, just watching the games with my father um, back in Reading, Massachusetts, uh, just right outside of, outside of Boston. And that really uh, sparked the interest in the international football world and, of course, uh, Team USA. Excellent stuff. Have you got a uh, a highlight of your in your in your time as a supporter? I know you've been on some uh, unique away trips. I think we'll say. Yeah, absolutely. I start I started traveling to U.S. games um, in my twenties and I've been able to go to thirty nine games uh, all throughout the U.S. Uh, friendlies, uh, World Cup qualifiers, and I've been to a few um, international friendlies um, in Belgium and. Um, in Ireland as well, in uh, on side of Europe, um, I was able to go to the 2014 World Cup. Uh, went to all three group stage games, Amazing. and and that I gotta say that's gotta be uh, it's quite the experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I also know that, that I happen to know that Chris flew to I think the Cayman Islands um, oh, yes. for a friendly when was there I think for a grand total of about 28 hours before <laughs> before flying back to Boston so I think it's safe to say you've got some uh, some solid experience there absolutely very true uh, and of course Chris was uh, in in my house on my, the happiest day I'd imagine of, of mine and Ruth's life <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, when uh, when Wales beat Belgium, um, so to to move on and look at the the, the men's national team, um, what can you tell us about the squad at the moment in terms of uh, the players that have been called up for these games? But you know, it also you know uh, how the squad is made up in terms of new players, older players, debutants, and stuff like that. Absolutely, um, I and many other U.S. soccer supporters, we are super excited about this squad. Um, there's ten players that are, will be making their debut. Oh, wow. Um, and it seems as if Burr Halter, the, the coach uh, for the last two years, 
Um, he has been playing mostly an MLS-based squad. He hasn't been experimenting with um, younger players. He hasn't been experience, uh, experimenting with European-based players. And this is a complete shift. Um, I think the pandemic does have a lot to do with it. But I am incredibly excited to see some of these young players uh, make their debut. Uh, the average age of this squad is uh, just under, is about 22 years old. And um, granted, they haven't seen the international side of things on a, a senior level. Many of them have experience at the under-20 World Cup. I believe there's seven or eight members of this roster that were on that um, 2019 roster. Um, so it's it's just very, very exciting time to, to be a fan. Uh, we had a very dud of a year in 2019. We haven't been able to play a front or a, a match since uh, February of this year. Yeah, I think, so it's, I think we're, it's, it's crazy that this is your your first game game in a in a long, long time. Um, Ruth, it sounds a little bit like the Wales team to an extent, in that there's kind of a lot of new blood coming through and um, quite a, a balanced squad, if you like, between some older pros and and some new youngsters coming through. Yeah, it's interesting what Chris was saying about. Obviously, the pandemic is forcing the fact that it's it's a European-based squad for these for these two games. Because interestingly, they they're going on to play Panama, but in Austria. So I mean, <laughs> it, it really is an international window, isn't it? Um, so I I think as Chris was saying, but Holt has kind of stayed at home, as it were, in the in the recent games, and and this has forced his hand. But in doing so, it's giving him an opportunity to bring through some of these younger players without, without perhaps without making the statement that Giggs has ended up making, you know, it's, it's more sort of happen chance, but it gives him an interesting opportunity to look at. I mean, some of the European based players are playing great football in great teams. You know, they, they should be in his thinking. Um, and, and so it'd be interesting to see how this develops and Chris, I'm, I'm interested in whether you think there may end up being a tension between almost like the two squads that are running parallel to each other. Yeah, I've been thinking about that as well. Um, I think there are enough leaders on this team that can um, can smooth it over, um, can make a cohesive unit. Um, granted, the we don't have a Michael Bradley on the squad or... or or um, someone like Landon Donovan to to really be a, a true leader just yet. Um, but I hope that in the next year or so, um, there will be a true leader that emerges and is able to to make these two camps come together as a cohesive unit. It's interesting there. You're talking about obviously some of the senior players um, that are that are you know not around anymore, so to speak. I mean, I feel like. When I have watched the the US team when when I live back in Boston, that I felt like it was a different squad almost each time, dependent on the opposition. Do you think this is is just COVID related, and this is the kind of the European team, if you like, is the best way to do it, or do you think this is maybe a a notable shift that will kind of continue and you know will be a bit more permanent thinking? I'm certainly hopeful that it's going to be a permanent shift. Um, I, I truly believe that we can get the best 11 from from these uh, 24 um, members on this roster. Yeah. Um, right now, I can only be hopeful and optimistic. Obviously, we've um, 
we didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup, as you as you all know. Yeah. And it's um it's just been kind of a a permanent scar on on the program. So right now, all I can be is hopeful and optimistic. I mean, do you think it's going to be difficult for for Behalter to kind of get a, a set style of play, or is is that again something that the style of play has been the thing that's been consistent, and then the thing that the players are the things that have changed around it, um, or is it just kind of he seems to find the best fit for the players he has in each kind of window or squad? All right. So since he's taken over in, um, I believe January twenty nineteen, he's always been trying to play a possession based style, playing from the back. Um, controlling the midfield and, and moving up from there. Um, I, I think he's probably going to continue with, with that um, style of play. Um, but truthfully, I, I don't know what direction he'll go um, starting starting uh, in this window. Um, obviously, Pulisic is, the, is the, the big name that I think a lot of people will obviously gravitate towards and recognise. Are there any other kind of, you know, big name or best players sort of thing that we should be looking out for? Absolutely. I mean, I, I continue to say I'm I'm excited about this team, so I, I could go down to basically every roster member and uh, <laughs> throw out some highlights, but, but I won't bore you all with that. <laughs> I must say, um, you've obviously heard the name Giovanni Reina, um, son of Claudio Reina, yeah. um, superstar from the 2002 World Cup. Gio's um, playing for Borussia Dortmund. He's only 17 years old, and um, he's been playing in Champions League matches. And he's holding his own as a, a 17-year-old. I'm really excited to see him um, with his first cap on Thursday. And I, I truly believe he can he can become a, a leader just like his father was. It's, um, it's in his blood, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got to also watch out for Weston McKinney. Um, he's playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo over at Juventus. He's a, from what I hear, a true leader in the locker room. He can really make a team gel um and just a, a great um great pl- obviously a great player but um a great um person to build the clubhouse around i think the the reino is the is the one that i'm most interested to watch only because i know you and i have spoken about him on uh, many different occasions before so i'm excited to see what he can do even at um even have got uh, even at a young age I, I should definitely do this with a beer i haven't got a beer again today i feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm stumbling over my words a little bit um ruth have you got anything else you want to ask chris i was interested chris in if you could talk just a little bit about the formation we can expect to see. You, you, you were mentioning that there tends to be a, have been a sort of possession-based approach and a, a heavy use of the midfield, but I'm interested in then how that might gel with how we might play. Yeah, um, Berhalter, he consistently uses a 4-3-3. Um, and I, I think, I didn't mention this name, but I really think Tyler Adams will be a big... Um, big member of that uh, development, they'll play in the sixth role, and they'll really uh, utilize him to to start start things off. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure exactly how it's going to match up to the wheels, um, but yeah, looking uh, looking to see what what happens. I think we are a bit more. We're kind of aiming to be a, a possession based team. I think without necessarily being able to achieve that as much as we'd like at the moment. I think I think Ruth would agree with me there. Um, 
I guess that what that's what's maybe will make this quite an interesting game is that if this is the way that uh, the US team are trying to play and kind of impose their style equally, I, I think this is of the three games that we've got up the the game where Wales will most likely try and take their chance to improve their kind of playing style if you know if if you like um, because obviously the last couple of games we've not the performances haven't been particularly good even if the results have been so I, I guess that maybe the the coaching staff will see this as an opportunity to play in a certain way would you agree with that Ruth yeah I wouldn't be surprised if we don't set up as we did against Bulgaria um against Bulgaria it was it was more like who was left standing here's our 11 yeah. how can we how can we make it work but it might actually be our plan b and given we're running out of games before hopefully the euros um and we and for us it's the it's i mean I, I don't want to downplay it but it's obviously the least significant of the three games we'll be playing um so i think if you're if the assumption is for the nations league games we're going to be playing our more kind of what's become our more standard line with Kiefer more up front then i can see merit in using the us game to mirror what we did in Bulgaria and just try and solidify it as our plan B. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, uh, like the three, the three five two type formation. Although, with that said, Cabango's pulled out of the squad. Morella's pulled out of the squad. Um, or they're unsure actually about Morel, I think, but it looks unlikely he'll play. There's a question mark over Lockyer as well. So perhaps we may even revert more to the the four three three type system. Um, just through uh, a lack of bodies at the, at the moment, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, Chris, you mentioned there that the US obviously haven't played a, a game since February because of the situation. Where are they in terms of their uh, other games, and where does this kind of fit in for them? Like, is this an important game in the build up to you know like Nations League games, and obviously the World Cup qualifiers are just around the corner as well. So, where does this kind of feature for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think these. Two friendlies are extremely important. Um, like you said, they haven't played together uh, since February. And um, if the next camp will be in, in March, and or, or hopefully in March. And before we know it, uh, the Nations League final, um, semifinal will be in, in June, uh, followed by the final, hopefully. And then in the summer, World Cup qualification will start. Um, World Cup qualification is... Is something else in CONCACAF. Um, we're traveling to some quite unusual um, fields, um, hostile environments, and some of these environments are um, experiences these players have never um, encountered before, especially some of the youth players. So I'll be really interested to see how they they do in uh, a cold or a hot, hot night in a Mexico City, yeah. <laughs> yeah, compared to a cold, cold night in Wales. Um, exactly. exactly. <laughs> looking at the the previous fixtures, obviously, um, which I guess you know the the form is maybe a difficult one to gauge. But okay. I, I I was wondering if this is maybe um, a game that perhaps the Americans are looking at this as a like a, a middle bar, if you like. Obviously, I know you play Mexico and Uruguay, and those are kind of their top teams. Equally, I don't think we're quite there, but I would say we're perhaps better than a than a Canada or Jamaica or, or those sort of teams. Do you think this has been the the bar has been set in the, in that sort of region intentionally to see how close you are to kind of you know 
progressing against the you know the better teams that you play like your Uruguay's Mexico's etc yes 100 percent. yeah I mean I, I believe it's a it's gonna be a true test I think um, Burhalter has been was very strategic in in choosing this game back in March and um yeah really really think it's a the right fixture for for Team USA right now I mean, you, you mentioned the manager again there. How happy are people with the, the, the job he's doing, but the, the, the players he's picked? I mean, for Wales at the minute, for example, every time the squad or the team is picked, there seems to be a, an element of surprise or some dissatisfaction in some way, shape or form. And there's obviously wider stuff going on at the moment, which is making things difficult for the, for the Wales team. But uh, how, how, uh, how comparatively settled is the US team in that regard, in, in the view of the fans? Absolutely. Um so 2019, I'll just categorize it as pure disappointment. We, <laughs> Burhalter led, or I wouldn't say lead. Um, <laughs> he was in charge of the squad. Um, we, we lost to Canada. Let me put it that way. <laughs> in 2019, we lost to Canada, first time ever in 34 years. Um, the supporters, the the fan base was in in pure disgust. We weren't calling up the the right players. We weren't looking towards the um, the youth. We really weren't experimenting with the roster in the in the right way. And now it's it's just been a th- complete 360 um, come um, this window in in March. It seems as if Burhalter has been inspired in some way, uh, or maybe pushed in the correct direction. <laughs> But he's he's looking at um, opportunities. He's looking at players that would ne- would never have gotten a look back in 2019, um, back in 2018, um, etc. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see some of the the scouting that he's done. He's um, there's a, a player, Yunus Musa. I I'll be honest, I I hadn't even heard of him until about. A, about a month ago, um, he's a 17-year-old. He's playing for Valencia. He's scoring goals in La Liga, and um, this kid was born in in New York City. And obviously, Burhalter um, recognized that he was eligible for the U.S. And he's been he's been building relationships with these um, dual nationals. And um, this is this is um, obviously super optimistic about it, but it's um, something that he wasn't doing last year and. Now it seems as if the focus is really on some of these dual nationals that will make a difference on Team USA if they if they choose to to accept uh, a call up. Ruth, I noticed you smile, and I had a little smirk when Chris said about the dual nationality thing, as that is uh, that is a I would say a feature of uh, of, of the Wales <laughs> squad at the moment. Would you agree with that? Well, I think it's becoming one of our specialisms, isn't it? It would be like our mastermind category, <laughs> how, to, how to mind dual nationals. Um, I mean, I think I think in this day and age, any any national team has to be mindful of of that because the the world is, you know, as we well know, is a complicated place, and yeah. I, I think you'd just be naive to to be so linear about things like that. Yeah, I agree. Have you got any other questions you want to ask, Chris Ruth? I was just wondering, Chris, what what would be a, a good outcome? Excuse me, what would be a good outcome for these from these two friendlies for 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 you? We need to win both of these games. <laughs> There's um the fan base is so hopeful right now. Um, 
we've been watching some of these kids grow up for the last couple of years and yeah, this is their moment. And I, I think they're really gonna, they're really gonna shine. It's, it's obviously going to be a, a tough, difficult match. Um, but yeah, I obviously want to see the victory against over Wales. <laughs> I didn't want to say that too loudly because I... <laughs> very disappointed with you, Chris, very disappointed. Ah. Mate. <laughs> um, it's interesting actually. Um, cause I think, how we view these this game in comparison I, I, obviously we've got the two nations league games following this and right. with potential um, implications for the world cup as well so for, for for us i guess this is less important but with that said i think the result is perhaps a bit less important but i do think that the performance is really something that is important for us right. um, and i think that obviously that will go they'll hopefully go into into giving us a a good game um Chris, we have uh, a little effort here at predictions um, on our on our podcast for every game that we we cover. We are famously bad at this. Um, I wondered <laughs> if you would like to join us. And Ruth, I'm coming to you next, so uh, you you don't get an excuse either. But um, I was wondering if you would care to have a have a guess at a prediction for us. US two, Wales one. Well, that is, of course, the last time that I will ever be speaking to Chris <laughs> Reed, which is uh, which is a shame. But uh, what can you do, Ruth? Over to you to save some pride. Well, I, actually, I'm going to go for a one-one draw because I'm kind of hopeful that we will experiment a little bit, keep some players back for the two nations leagues, and and, and frankly, just kind of, you know, take a norm, a slightly backseat approach to to this particular game we we don't need to turn it into a, a a head-to-head with you know people running around the liberty at a million miles an hour it's, it's not what we need it's not what we need yeah. um, so i wouldn't be surprised if it, if it if it's a perhaps one of those games that's a good first half and then peters out a bit in the second half um so i'm going for a draw um, I'm going to join you, actually, Ruth. So that means it definitely won't be a draw. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be quite a competitive first half. And I think there'll probably be a couple of people who might get game time who perhaps weren't expecting it. And I think will be keen to prove themselves in one way, shape or form. Um, I don't think we'll see Kiefer Moore start this game, given given the circumstances. You know, Bale has has come off for Spurs with ten minutes to go today. With he's come off and had a massive ice pack put on his ankle, so I'd be surprised to see him play um, in this. Um, so I'd be expected to see you know Brooks play, maybe maybe James, uh, and then maybe a, an opportunity for Josh Sheen as well. So it would be a bit of a a mixed team, I think. And and as you say, I can see it being quite a. a an energetic, shall we say, first half, but then kind of see that peter out. So I was going to go for a two-two draw, um, in the hopes of uh, of seeing some goals. But given the way that um, games have been going for us recently, if it's a draw at all, it will definitely be nil-nil. Um, <laughs> but uh, but there we go, Chris. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure catching up with you again, and um, hopefully we can uh, maybe we can get you back on for the review podcast that we do, where you can uh, undoubtedly um, goad us with your correct two-one prediction. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, fantastic talking to both of you, and um, yeah, good luck on Thursday. Thank you very much. Good luck to you too, Seth. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, thank you very much for, for the interview, Chris. Thank you for your time. Um, I am looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing how many of our questionable predictions come true, if nothing else. Um, one thing that... It was it was actually lovely to catch up with Chris because he, he was a big part of our our Wales-Belgium day, wasn't he? He really was, yeah. After, after yeah. Wales-Belgium and, you know, we'd all stopped crying and sorted ourselves out, <laughs> uh, Chris did come to the pub with us and just listened to me and Ruth talk for... <laughs> Uh, about three hours whilst drinking our body weight in uh, in in PBR. So uh, yeah, Chris Chris is a big part of uh, was a, a big part of that. Yeah, uh, he was he was our wingman that night. He, he, he <laughs> made sure we were us. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we Chris obviously talked about the players that he wants to see and, and and players he expects to see line up for the states against us. Um, I mean, the one thing I will say about them is that they do have quite a dynamic team. They are. A lot of a lot of the players quite quick, strong, um, athletic, good at you know good at getting around the pitch. And while technically they may have you know not that many standout players, Pulisic being the being the exception, um, I, I do think this is going to be quite a battle for us just because of the way they play. They are quite kind of in your face from what I've seen. Um, so I wonder, Ruth, if if you were Ryan Giggs, Rob Page, Albert Stoivenberg, um who would you? Who do you think? Sorry, they will pick um, to start the game, and then are there any kind of additions or changes that you would make if you were in charge? I actually would really like to see finally this, this friendly approached as a, as a as a friendly, and the fact that we've got two clearly much more significant games afterwards. We've got um, a squad that's was slightly denuded at the start and certain positions was very denuded and and is is suffering your your, your usual you know last last weekend to play withdrawals as well yeah. so i would i would as i as we said with chris i would try the formation we had with bulgaria against bulgaria more because i don't want Kiefer more playing in this game um and if we don't play him then really that's our only other option is is to go more for that kind of um, three-five-two sort of approach that we that we had in in Bulgaria with the with the wing backs, um, and and really I would be calling up everybody that I didn't particularly expect to be playing in the competitive games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't disagree. I would I would I wouldn't pick the the three-five-two formation. I wonder if just because there's a lot of senior players missing, and also, you know, if if Lockyer does end up pulling out, Cabango has pulled out, then that diminishes the amount of centre halves we have. Mm-hmm. Do we then really need to play three centre halves in that game, potentially risking one? Though I'm not, I'm not sure it's worth the the risk. I wonder if they might stick with the four two three one formation um, and just tweak the the way we play within it. Um, I, Who would you put as the one then? For me, I think he will again. I'm basing this on what I think he will do. I think he will give Roberts that that role. I think he rates mm-hmm. Roberts. It will give him a chance to play as a a false nine, if you like, um, and that would give you perhaps a bit of alternative opportunities into in the midfield. I wonder if maybe this could be a, a chance for Johnny to play as a ten, um, and also then drop into midfield if if needs be. Um, mm-hmm. To make it make that a defensive three when we haven't got the ball, so he can kind of be a link man and, and Tyler Roberts be the be the one up front. So who would 
you have been holding midfield, die Because, I mean, Matt Smith has played there a little recently. Um, the, the the midfield has got an emphasis towards attack, hasn't it, in, the, in this particular permutation? Yeah, and I think that is kind of the aim, I guess, with a false nine, is just to, to kind of have as many people around that focal point as, as possible. Um, for me, I would have, uh, well, again, I think he will go for Levitt. And I do think he might give Sheehan a chance. Um, I think he hasn't called him up for no reason. If we are trying to build midfielders, as we've made that point before, then he there's only a value in it if he gets game time. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sheehan start myself. I don't think I would do that. I think I would be more inclined to go for um, for Smith in that role. And again, obviously, it depends on, on whether Levitt plays. Uh, not Levitt, sorry, uh, whether Morel plays. Um, but yeah, I certainly would not want to see Ethan Ampadu start this game. Um, and I think... See, I, w- I wonder whether they do start Ampadu. With him not playing this weekend because he couldn't play against Chelsea, he's had a rest. And whether they feel they can run him out for the three games and, so- and end up playing five sort of five at the back, but via having Ampadu dropping back if you need him. And and hence, Norrington Davies and Nico Williams could still run as wing backs because you know you could be dropping Ampadu back as a third centre-back if it was needed. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. And I did think this about the the three games in 10 days or so because he didn't play against Chelsea. Mm -hmm. But with that said... He's still young. He's had relatively, you know, he has been in and out with injuries himself. He's had kind of growing pains and back problems and all sorts. I'm not sure that three games in 10 days is, is, is going to solve anything. I think I think ultimately in the circumstance here, we know what he is capable of. And yes, he can absolutely play a role. But if he got injured, that leaves us very, very light in midfield for those other two games and, and and for me I just it's just it's not worth the risk I I almost uh, you know I apologize apologize Chris if you're listening back I, I literally don't care what the result of this game is <laughs> if we win great if we lose but play well great if we lose and we don't play well I'll be annoyed for the you know hour after the match but the reality is it doesn't matter if we <laughs> do well in the other two so for me I, I think Ampadu, given, you know, Bale's come off today with a big ice pack on his ankle, Ramsey's pulled out, there's no Joe Allen, the absolute last thing we need is someone like him having to pull out through injury as well. It's just it's just not worth the risk for me. Yeah, and if Morel's carrying something too. Um, exactly. I do think it's interesting, that the dynamic of this particular game, isn't it? Because it's very obviously a friendly for us. I, I, and for the US, it clearly isn't a friendly in the... The usual sense yeah. of the word, you know, it's that it's their first game since fe- first game since February, and you've got a lot of young players there who are who are trying to stake a claim. Um, so I think I think the needs of both teams are so are so disparate that I, I think they're just they'll just be hungrier and want this game so much more than we will. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and you know, as I say, I'm more interested in seeing the style of play and the and the performance that. A relative B team can put together, if if that is what transpires. Um, the one exception I will say, having said, don't take any risks, is um, I think there are two places where we do need to see some consistency, 
And for me, that's a centre-back. And I've made this point before. Um, we are really regurgitating things, aren't we? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've made that point before. I think Rodden and Mepham should start the USA game just to give them more time together. I, I think they will be our starting pair going forward, or would be for me anyway. Um, so... I, I would I would give those two the nod there and again if well there's no point calling up Gunter if we're not going to play him so I would play Gunter at right back and I would play Norrington Davis at left back I think he played very well um, in the previous game against Bulgaria I thought um, his dynamism was good to see and so I think he deserves another shot at least and then perhaps he can give him give himself a chance of getting into contention for one of the other two games if we do switch to that kind of more wing back related system. And I'm, I'm struggling with the, the centre-backs because I, I think Lockyer hasn't done anything that merits him not having a shot at getting one of those two places. Um, and I think we've done so much switching around between the three of them, Mep and Rodden and Lockyer at the minute, that we haven't, we haven't found a pair. Um, I'd like by the end of this window for us to have found a pair uh, so I can see I can see the merit in your argument of if you feel that pairing is Rodden and Mepham, let's just play them for the three and let's get it settled. Um, but equally, I'm I'm not sure that I want to expose people in the USA game either. So I'm I'm kind of teetering between the merits of both of those arguments. Yeah, I mean, I I am kind of you know going back on myself. I, I think the difference is for me with the, if Ampadu drops out injured, he's a big miss in the midfield because the quality of replacement who would come in behind him isn't as high. Whereas defensively, you know, Rodden and Mepham are good players, but Ben Davis can come play centre half if we need to, and, and Norrington Davis can play left back. Um, I mean, Christ, you know, Mepham could, uh, Mepham, uh, Gunter could even come in and play centre-half. Lockyer is still there. Ampadu can come and play uh, centre-half. I, I think we've got enough options that were someone to get a, get an injury. I don't think it's the end of the world. And uh, to be honest, I would I, I would concede to you as well that Lockyer has done nothing wrong. I think I would start Mepham of the two. I think he's been more consistent for us personally. I think he's a better footballer in terms of what he can do with the ball at his feet. But again, if, if it turns out that he's decided that Rock, um, Rodden and Lockyer are his chosen partnership, I would have no problem with that. I think for me, it was more, it is more, sorry, that whoever our chosen partnership is, they they play this game and they continue and start to to, to build a a solid partnership between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree with that. Um, to look at the goalkeeping position, I'm kind of intrigued here because obviously I want uh, Owen Vaughan to play. Um, I wonder if he will start Ward just on the basis and Ward will start all three and maybe Owen Vaughan might come on at half-time maybe, but maybe Ward will start this game on the basis that he has not played football in a competitive setting for, I don't know, 24 years or something. So maybe this is his chance to get his, his kind of head back in the game in terms of playing football again, um, ahead of, again, two big games. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the merit... Um of the timing of the friendly at the start of the window is you can use it as a, as a way to help Ward get used to playing competitive games with. And I think that's another reason why the centre-back partnership might be a plus if it's steady for the three games as well is to, is to help Danny Ward. Um, so I, I'm with you. I would love to see um, Owen Von start the game 
But I think there is more of an argument to let Danny Ward have the playing time of all three games. Yeah, and again, um, I think if 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 someone were to come in and you know be be a replacement, I think Owen Von would be the the next man yeah. in line for that certainly. So I, I hope that I do, I do hope he gets game time, but I think realistically Ward is the third choice in our squad at the moment. So I think he needs that game time if he's not playing at the moment. Um, to look forward uh, a little bit uh, after the USA game, thankfully we've mercifully we've already done our predictions, so we, we won't <laughs> we won't do that again. Two two for me, one one for Ruth, and Chris said a two one win for the US, which was deeply um, deeply upsetting. Um, we will look uh, a little bit at the at the other two games. Obviously, um, we are playing the Republic of Ireland. Um, you've done a, a little bit of of, of, of looking back at uh, where they are at the moment, Ruth. Yeah, uh, I mean to be honest, not much has changed yeah. since um, since we played them in October, as you might as you might well imagine. They went on after our game and had a, a defeat in Finland, one nil. Uh, so overall, they've got two points from the group: a draw with us and that initial away draw they had with Bulgaria. Um, They've only scored the one goal, that, that one late uh, late equaliser uh, in Sofia, and have, have conceded three. Um, and it has come down to basically a shootout between them and them and Bulgaria for not getting the relegation uh, the relegation spot. Um, they I mean that it's not going well, really. You can't you can't pretend it's a good situation for them. They haven't scored in I think it's four games now. They've gone. It must be nine or ten games without without a win. Um, but I do think they played slightly better against Finland, and I, they may, you know, if you were just totting them up, they they might well have had the better chances in that game. There was several good uh, Robbie Brady crosses with either Duffy or Doherty on the end that you know, hit the woodwork or, or the goalkeeper made a good save. And, and they probably came away from that uh, that game in particular, feeling that they, they should have got more more out of it. Uh, the the lineups are still, you know, kind of swapping and changing. And, and part of that was the COVID mess that they that they got into at the end of the of the last window. So it's it's a little bit difficult to read um read which way they're going in in terms of uh in in terms of formation. But I think they're going to continue to concentrate on being very solid um, and taking their chances where they can. They they made one error really in that Finland game, and that's yeah. that's how Finland scored. It, it was a, a mix up at the back, and and the Finns pounced messily. Uh, but really, they're I mean, they for them the the game against um, Bulgaria is actually much more much more key really than against us. Um, assuming Finland don't don't beat, sorry. Assuming Bulgaria don't beat Finland when we're playing Ireland on on Sunday, then it, it's going to come basically to shoot out between Ireland and and Bulgaria for for not getting relegated. And so really that that's the key game for them. Yeah, I agree. They've uh, they are one point ahead of the Bulgarians, and mm-hmm. and I totally agree. Everything you said about the the Finland game was spot on. I, I I pulled up some stats 
and um, they had more shots than the Finns. They had more shots on target. They had basically the same amount of possession. They had more corners. Um, yeah, they. Were, I, I, I watched that game, and I, and I did feel they were a little unlucky. Um, obviously, heartbroken that they lost. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I did feel they were a little bit unlucky. And the Bulgaria game is definitely the bigger game for them. They've basically got our window, haven't they? Because they've got England first in a friendly. Yes. <laughs> then, then us, and then Bulgaria. So literally the same as us last time. Um I do I do agree with you. They're just going to work on being solid. I wouldn't be surprised in any way, shape, or form if they play pretty much the same team for three games. Um, mm-hmm. They because they are a team in transition. They are going to want to try and put out their best team as much as possible. Um, but I agree with you. The Bulgaria game is the big one for them. I think if they can nick a point from us, will probably be their aim. Try and frustrate. Try and get a nil nil yeah. or something maybe. Um, I. Obviously, you know, we've mentioned the Finns there. They are who we are playing ourselves. Um, obviously, at the moment, the group is kind of in our hands. Um, ultimately, if we beat Finland, we win the group, making, still, yeah, still making the other game uh, irrelevant um, from a kind of winning the group perspective but obviously the world cup qualifier means that we want to we need to get more points or at least the same amount of points um that scotland get i know you're going to do some permutations i think uh, looking at that but um the one thing that i did find interesting about finland having kind of gone back and looked at them and what they've set up recently they have done what i would really like us to do and they played Poland in a friendly uh, ahead of the last window um, played a completely changed team pretty much a genuine B team lost 5-1 um, and kind of didn't really care <laughs> um, went on after that beat the Finns uh, beat the Bulgarians sorry and beat the Irish 2-0 and 1-0 so I I'm intrigued because they are playing uh, France in a friendly um, ahead of the Bulgarians and then us. So I, I, I am quite intrigued by that setup where they are just sacking off the friendly completely, don't care about the result, and it isn't impacting them. Um, I did I did find that quite interesting. But, like, you know, as, as you said about Ireland, nothing's changed really. Um, they are compact. They, they are trying to nick a goal on the break, ultimately. They do like to use the ball and keep the ball when they have a chance, but ultimately they like to play on the break. They like to get crosses into the box. They, need to, they like to get around Pukki and, and, and see what they can do. Um, again, it's going to be a physical game. I think it's going to be another challenge. I think the only uh, thing, I, for want of a better word, I can think of that will kind of help us is that Bulgaria don't want to go down. Maybe Bulgaria nick a point in that in their first game against them. Uh, and then when we play them to likely decide the group, they have to win. Um, and as a consequence of that, they kind of come at us a bit more and leave spaces in behind, uh, which is, you know, perhaps an unlikely scenario, but not beyond the realms of possibility. So I, 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 I do genuinely think that this game against the Finns might be quite entertaining because... We want to make sure we get that World Cup qualifier spot, uh, playoff spot, sorry. They obviously want to see if they can get the promotion. Um, so I do think that might end up being quite an entertaining game. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting setup with the with the way the, the league has kind of schismed into basically a playoff between us and Finland and a, and a playoff between Ireland and Bulgaria yeah. for, the, yeah. for the promotion and the relegation. Because if we, as long as we beat the Finns 
we're going to win the group, regardless of what actually happens in a, in the Irish game for us. Yeah. Where where the Ireland game is is important is the potential playoff place for the World Cup and, and winning your group well rather than just winning your group. Um, so that I think the irony is we're, we're, we should be putting more emphasis on the, on the Finland game, really. Um, although clearly you'd want, you'd want to try and win the group well enough that you're hopefully going to secure that, that World Cup place. Yeah, I mean, it's it is complicated um, in a in a really super weird way. I, I think you're right. I think we do need to kind of at least take four points from this um, mm-hmm. in terms of the World Cup situation. But ultimately, I guess as long as we beat Finland, it doesn't matter. Regards promotion. Um, what yeah, I, the, go on. The really we 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 need to perform better than Scotland would be our would be the the scenario in the hope of um, finishing as the best B-League team and hence put ourselves in the best position to get that World Cup playoff spot. Uh, that's the, the assumption there is that the four teams that win in the A-League are going to have qualified already either directly by winning their World Cup groups or at least have qualified for the playoffs already by being second in their in their World Cup groups and when you know when you consider the the teams that are likely to win in those in those four a league groups you can see how those those teams will almost certainly have already secured secured their world cup route um and what we're trying to do is position ourselves to be the you know the the best of the b teams um in terms of how we win the league and at the moment scotland are just ahead of us on on goal difference um, so if we can outperform, outscore them on on points, then uh, then that would obviously mean we can we can just move ahead of them them and put ourselves in the best place to to grab one of those World Cup qualifying uh, playoff spots. It's a long it's a long process. Obviously, you don't even know if you're going to need that spot until until all the World Cup qualifying has has finished. But it would be nice to know that we we're in the best position we could be for that for that potential route yeah i agree i mean ultimately i guess if we win both our games it it sort of doesn't matter what scotland will do they'll still win that little mini race but we'll come second so we will still get that spot so i guess to an extent as long as we win both of them what scotland do doesn't matter because then there are other teams around them blah 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 um well i mean we'd be better off to be first in the b teams than second in the b teams just in case one of the a team league winners does end up needing True. needing that that route, um, and Scotland have got away games. They've you know they're not it's not an easy easy schedule that they have, and they're only pipping us on goal difference at the minute. So it's you know it's definitely doable. It's funny you should mention the away travel there, as um, they have got to go to Serbia for their final Euros playoff game as you said there it feels like this is going on forever um yes and then they have two Nations League games one against Slovenia one against Israel both away from home as well so there is a lot of travel for for Scotland involved there and I can't imagine that's gonna to help I mean there's obviously the chance that the first game could go to extra time penalty so that's going to drain them I would be very surprised if Scotland come away with all three uh, victories under their belt um looking at the rest of the group if we are talking permutations the Russians are on 8 points uh, 
the Austrians are on nine, but so are the Norwegians there. Um, and they play they play each other as well. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of relative permutations, there are other options, like Hungary could still catch us as well. They're mm-hmm. second in, in, the, in their group. I mean, again, b- below, below us, the, the variations are, you know, too many for us to name, really. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we need to at least aim to be equaling Scotland's results if they win all uh, win both of their games or um, better their results if they don't win both games is the is the is the crux of it um so yeah um we haven't actually talked about what we want our lineup to be for these two uh, games the 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 kind of big game so I'm just going to rattle through what I think it will be rather than what I want but I think what it will be um I think it's going to be warding goal Roberts Rodden Mepham uh, slash Lockyer, depending on who you uh, want to argue as your first choice centre half. Davies at left back, obviously. Ampadu, and assuming Morel is fit um, to play, obviously Morel alongside him, with then Bale, uh, Brooks, James uh, behind Kiefer Moore. Um, do you think that is what we're going to line up with? The only, I mean, I think, I think I'm more open to having Lockyer in the, the, the centre D, but I, I think it's, you know, two from three, as we've discussed. Yeah. The the only one I might see changing is is perhaps Brooks's role, whether that might be Wilson rather than Brooks or even Johnny Williams, actually. Because um, he's he played well in that kind of Ramsey substitute role that he, he'd had in the, in the spring. Um, but Otherwise, I think it's, it's as we've said before, the, the starting 11, assuming everybody's fit, it probably is just solidifying the centre-back partnership that's that's the issue. Um, and then at, at the minute, obviously, there's a, a, a little permutation between, b- b- around who's going to sub for, for Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, I mean, I I went for Brooks over over Wilson because uh, Brooks scored twice on the weekend. He mm-hmm. seems to have been in good form recently. To be fair, Wilson, I guess, has been doing well since he's gone to Cardiff and is more of a natural ten, I suppose, than a mm-hmm. than Brooks is. But I just I, I don't think we've seen Brooks given a, a start, you know, for injuries and obviously everything else for a while. So that was my rationale there. I think he will do that. I I do wonder, obviously, if Bale doesn't play, then I, I think Brooks would drop out to one side. Wilson would come into the middle uh, and would be a, would be away there, but um, yeah, I I don't think as you as you said and we've said uh, previously, I don't think there's too much kind of variation in that uh, in the possibilities there. I suppose. No, I know. I, I I would agree. I think if if Bale's carrying and you know maybe we just use him in the in the Finland game rather than the Ireland game, then then Brooks on the right is the obvious solution there. Um, I mean. Our, our dreaded predictions are, are on the horizon, but um, I, I'm, I, I just want to make one, ask you one more quick question uh, before I have to go and have my tea. Um, well, so you, before you have your breakfast, but um, I, I, I'm intrigued to see who is going to be the the front man, if you like, of the uh, of the new band uh, with with Paige and Stoivenberg uh, in, in Giggs's absence. I wonder how that is is going to affect the team. Obviously, you know, we've heard that he's going to be pulling the strings so to speak but I'm sure it'll be very different when he's not there I wonder if you know the mill maybe do some sort of conference calling in and as you say he's doing a lot of stuff but not publicly or whether he will have nothing to do with it I guess I guess we'll never know that but how how do you see the gigs not being there affecting the team 
I'm not convinced he's not there, if you know what I mean. I think everybody's got so used to operating in this weird um, internet world recently that ironically, I think his his, abs- his physical absence might not be the issue that it would have been. Uh, clearly, it would be better if the if the squad was, you know, was a unit and everybody was was there, including all of the coaches. Um, but I I think he is still orchestrating things in this window uh, to a point where I'm not particularly worried about the actual process of that. I think it becomes a question as you move beyond this beyond this window. Um, I think I think the dynamic between Page and Stoivenen and who's actually, you know, simple things like who's actually going to make the decision about when a substitute change is made, for example, that might be quite interesting to watch, but I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I do wonder if Giggs's absence is the thing that will make our relative luck run out. I think we've not performed that well, but got the wins. I wonder if this might just make that little bit of difference. You know, maybe not clear instruction on the sidelines. There's two people there. Maybe not as clear and concise substitution decisions as you mentioned there because cause Giggs isn't there. I mean, I don't know what Page or Stoivenberg are like at half time. I don't know if you know they may put a you know wheel a big TV in there and, and Giggs does the half time team talk on Zoom anyway. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, um, but I, I personally do think it might have a bit of a difference just because I think you're not there's not clear lines of communication and you know you can dress things up as much as you want, but I, I do think that comes from experience and, and comes from spending time together. And I wonder if there might just be a bit of a weird dynamic and also because of the circumstance as well I, I guess the players will know more than us but we'll still be in the dark about a lot of it I bet they will be asking questions as well like I, I, I do think it might make for a weird dynamic myself um, I, that that I don't disagree with and I think we may end up paying going forward I just I can't see that the consequences will be wildly disruptive right now for this window but I think not having your manager and and head coach now not getting together again until March his involvement in March being in question then I think it starts to sum into an issue yeah that's fair enough I can see that I can see the logic uh, in what you've said there so to to look at the predictions side our faves um we are playing the Irish first. Um, how do you see this one going? I've, I've put nil nil just because I like it. Like we're playing Ireland. What else is going to happen? It's just going to yeah. be this. I couldn't agree more. I, 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 I very rarely don't look forward to Wales games, but I am not looking forward to this game. I know it's going to be a crap game of football. I know it's going to be nil nil. Um, and I and I and I know that you know probably someone is going to get concussion as a consequence of someone else doing something stupid. So um, it's not uh, it's not one I'm particularly looking forward to. I've put 1-1 one, one just for a, for a change of scenery. But uh, again, if it's not 0-0, I'll be absolutely staggered. Um, to the Finland game, thoughts? I've gone for 2-1 to us. Um, my, that feels a little ambitious, actually. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I've gone 2-1 for us. 
Uh, I'm going to go uh, 1-0 Finland on this. I think mm-hmm. we were lucky the one we played them last time. I, I do think the confusion of all of the situation will uh, will play into something. And I, and I don't think it's sustainable for us to kind of go the way we have been, where we've been playing, you know, okay, you know, not particularly well, and getting the results. Like, that can't last forever. That luck, relatively speaking, does run out. Um, and I think that the Finland game will be the time that it happens. I really don't want to be right on that one, of course, but that is my my gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. I think uh, we've we've uh, we've rode our luck, and there has to be a point where that runs out. Yeah, I agree. I, I, as I say, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I, I I'm, I'm not sure. I, I just feel like. With Ramsey not there, Bale maybe being injured, you know, Morel maybe missing Lockyer, um, uh, you know, there's a lot going on there, and I and I just wonder what impact that will end up having in the in the end. Um, do you have anything else to add? As I've just looked the time, and I haven't inserted Chris's interview into this recording yet, and we're an hour in. So, have you got anything to add? <laughs> I think we should stop. Let's just stop. <laughs> Well, there you go. Thank you for giving us uh, an hour of your life, ladies and gentlemen. We very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Um, We will be back with a review of the three games. Hopefully, Chris will be popping back to give us uh, his thoughts as well. And, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. And we will speak to you soon. Good luck, Wales. Bye-bye.